you hold my every moment. God bless you all this evening. Amen. Trust that you've come expecting. Amen. We've got a special speaker, Brother Daniel Kahangu, to speak for us this evening. So just come to pull. Amen. It's what the Lord has for us. Amen. Just sing the song, You Hold My Every Moment. Oh, you hold my
this song as we go to prayer. We have a prayer request from our sister Jolene Stephen Hagen. Please remember my nephew's wife, Amber, in prayer. She's expecting their fourth child and has been hospitalized due to complications. Baby needs at least, uh, at least six more uh, weeks before birth. I mean, we can remember that in prayer. We got a testimony from our brother John Sharman. We would like to return thanks to the Lord for healing and answering the assembly's plea for our Emily uh, Wayman or Drake uh, for the safe delivery of the baby that we prayed for Sunday. Amen. We just praise the Lord for that. Amen. Hallelujah. We just remember this need. Satan would try to take a life or, you know, bring a life into this world early, prematurely, but we have a healer. Amen. We have a Jesus Christ, amen. Let's just sing this. Oh, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I
let's just go to prayer at this time. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for that name of Jesus. Oh, God, the first time that it spoke, it brought forth life, oh, God. Oh, Jesus, if there's a need tonight, oh, Jesus, that can be lifted up before your throne, oh, Jesus, and that we can speak the name of Jesus to that need. Oh, God, whether it be spiritual, natural, oh, God, you can meet that need this tonight, oh, Jesus. Oh, God, this need pinned before you tonight, oh God. I lay my hands on it, oh God, that you would go to that hospital room tonight, oh Jesus. Oh God, that you would come upon the scene tonight, oh God. That you would turn the, the what Satan would try to take, oh God, and you would put forth good from it, oh God. Oh, we praise the name of Jesus. Oh, for the healing power, oh God. We've seen what you can do, oh God. We know that you can do it again. Satan has no hold on God's property, oh Jesus. We thank you, oh Jesus. We ask that as Brother Daniel comes tonight, oh God, that you would speak through him, oh God. Oh God, you know the needs of your people, oh Jesus. Oh God, that you would come tonight, oh Jesus, and cut away doubt, anxiety, depression, oh God, and the things of this world that would try to pull us down, oh God, that we can lay off the pressure, oh God, and look before you and know that our help comes from God. Oh, we praise your name, oh Jesus. Oh, have your way tonight, oh Jesus. Use your servant, oh God. Those overseas, oh God, our brother Tom, our brother Murphy, our brother Tim, oh Jesus, be with them tonight, oh Jesus. Oh God, strengthen them, oh God, in the Philippines and spread your work, oh Jesus. We've asked these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't you turn and shake hands with one another as you have your seats. Amen. We won't delay the service any longer as our brother Daniel comes. Can we sing the Revelation song? Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Amen. Oh, worthy is the lamb who was slain.
Elohim this moment. Oh, Jesus Christ, we come before you. Lord Jesus, our bath is expressing how holy you are, how awesome you are, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you glory even this moment, Father, for giving us another opportunity to come in your presence, Lord Jesus, where we know, God, all of our problems, Lord, find the solution. Lord Jesus, in your presence where there is deliverance, in your presence where there is everything that we have need of, Lord Jesus. We pray and ask you, O oh God, that you will look to the desire of your people this evening, Father. Oh God, give us more than what we can expect for, Lord Jesus. We invite you, O oh God, this evening, Father. Come and break your word, O oh God, to us. Come and open up our eyes, Lord Jesus, to see in a realm that we never even imagined, Lord Jesus, that we be able to penetrate, O oh God, to that atmosphere, Lord, where you can come down, O oh Jesus. There will be no interest, O oh Father, for you to move, Father. Oh God, we dedicate ourselves. We give you the service. We love you, Father. Have your way in our midst, O oh Father. We love you, Lord. We give you the service. We give you our lives. Lord Jesus, to you be all the glory. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I wonder if we can take our Bible. I'd like to greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good to be back again, to be able to share a little thought that the Lord put upon our hearts. Uh, let's open our Bible in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2. Thank you, musicians. Nehemiah, chapter 2. I'm going to read uh, from verse 2 to verse 3. And after that, we read in Jeremiah chapter 37, verse 17. And maybe we can read it together on Jeremiah, if that would be okay. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2. Read from verse 2 to verse 3. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very so afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad, when the city, the place of my father's sepulchre, lies waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, if you, just one verse, maybe we can read it together. I really like this uh, verse. Okay, let's read it together. 
Ah, Lord God, behold thy is made the heaven and the earth by the great power and stretch out arm, and there is nothing too hard to thee. Amen. There is nothing indeed too hard to our Lord Jesus. Tonight we'll be speaking on a little title, Family, and I trust that God will bless us tonight. Let's bow our head one more time. Lord, we believe your word. We don't just read it, but we believe it. You know, God, the desire of our hearts, the burden that we might have, oh God, just like Nehemiah, we might not be able to express it, Lord, but it's real. But above everything, there is nothing too hard to God. Take the service, Father, I pray. It's not about a man, but it's about you. Lord Jesus, give liberty. Set the man aside and speak to us, Lord. We need you, Father. Make it a memorial service to us, Lord, because you have come, not because of any man. We dedicate everything to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seat. I uh, really like to thank uh, Brother Tom and the ministry for the trust that uh, they gave me to be able to stand here again and speak to you. Uh, not taking it lightly, and I know that it's a, it's a, uh, it comes with a lot of uh, trust, and also on me it's a lot of weight, knowing that you, know, you have to stand in front of people and speak. And I'm not too familiar in speaking here, so just my, forgive me if I look a bit nervous. Uh, but I trust that the Lord Jesus will come and help us. Uh, the last time I spoke, I think I was last year, I believe in December. Uh, my title was, not that that was very important to remember, but some of you might. I spoke on uh, yearning for a full restoration family, and I, I was not able to finish my whole thought of everything that I was really intending, the way I was thinking of saying, so I kind of felt a little bit uh, kind of bad after the service that I was not able to fully express what I was thinking of, I mean, the other part, because I wanted to speak on the family. And uh, I literally prayed, I was asking God, touch the heart of Brother Tom, that you might call me another time. <laughs> so I'll be able to, 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 to feel good that I, I, I'm able to cover the whole thought that I, that I was intending to. So praise the Lord, he answered the prayer. And uh, I not just, you know, it's very important, but sometimes as a minister you might be under a burden, you're feeling a bit empty if you did not finish your thought, you're really looking for an opportunity to come and be able to finish what you wanted to speak. Yeah, in here, uh, just kind of a couple of words to say before we go to our subject. I like to say that, you know, sometimes people may speak, you know, uh, from, from experience, you know, uh, maybe they are much mature to say, or they, they've been through a lot of things. And they can relate to some uh, thing that they may talk about as part of the experience because they live it. But sometimes, you know, for, especially for us young ministers, 
you might be speaking on a subject just by inspiration because maybe it's being so real to you, you, you study it and the way just the Word of God opened up to you, but you probably don't have much of experience to, to, to brag about or to, to use as such. But nevertheless, it's the Word of God. You know, God is not limited on our age, He's not limited on uh, what experience or what is God. He can use any time, any opportunity, any man, any circumstance. All that we want Him that he might take the full preeminence. But I know for myself I had to pray really hard because, you know, based on my background, my, my uh, culture to say, you know, you, you are a big conscience as a young minister about a certain topic and certain subject and the way to approach it, it becomes sometimes heavy. Not that there is something big to talk, but you just, you just kind of restrain yourself a little. Because, you know, just the way you brought up or the way you grow up. But I pray that God will give us liberty. That something that might say, even one word, will be important and a blessing uh, to God's people. So in the book of Nehemiah, uh, before we even go far, just want to lay a little foundation there and then I'll go back to it. We see your Nehemiah. If you read, you study the life of Nehemiah and the whole book of Nehemiah, you find out that he was, uh, uh, he, he was not a preacher, to say. Nehemiah was not a prophet uh, as such. Yeah, if you read the whole book of Nehemiah, you will not find a lot of uh, instructions in, into preaching, into prophecy, as you will find to many other scriptures and many other books. But Nehemiah was, was a trade man. He was a man uh, like an architect. Some scholars say that he was an architect, a stonemason. Uh, he, he was uh, working in captivities, uh, I believe, where he was as a, uh, as a, a, a wine bearer to, to the king. So he was not someone very special, spiritually to say. You know, he was not like a... Uh, someone that, you know, sitting on a pulpit. or He was just a normal believer. But the, 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 the particular thing that I, uh, if the Lord give us time, I really pray we do, uh, you will find out that his burden was real. Nevertheless, uh, regardless of uh, him not being someone that we can, you know, refer to, you can read the whole book, there is nothing as, as, as too spiritual as to say, but, but he, he was a man of a burden. And the whole book of Nehemiah was written about a person desiring to see a full restoration. This was in a time of the restoration of the children of Israel. It was in a time where God was restoring Israel after captivity, after all the, the things that, were, that, that, that happened. But now... If you read Ezra, the book that come after, uh, that come before, you read Agea, you read Ezra, you find out that the, the, there were a lot of things that was already done. They built the temple. The temple was done. They did all kinds of things. And, uh, and it seemed like God was moving. And indeed, God was moving. But Nehemiah, if you read chapter 1, I'm just paraphrasing it to save my time. If you read chapter 1, his brother came 
and give him a report. He was there enjoying his life with, with all the good things. He was well treated in the kingdom. He had all the, probably could have had servants, he could have had a room of his own. He had all, everything was going fine with him. But a brother came and gave him a report of the room of the wall of Israel. And the brother came and told him that everything is fine. The church is being built. The temple is being built. Everything is working fine. But, but I find, I, I, I'm just, I, I, as I was walking, I found out that the gate's still broken. There was still some, 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 some wall that's been broken. There's still some, uh, some gates that's been broken. And that alone make the courtness of Nehemiah to be sad. He was so sad that it was so obvious. You know, someone may say, Brother Nehemiah, what are you worried about? The church is going on. The service is going on. The sacrifice is being uh, restored. All those other things have been restored. But for Nehemiah, that was not a full restoration. Until God will restore the ruins of the wall. Until God will restore the gates, then that will bring a satisfaction. And remember, he was not a minister. He was not someone very special as such. Just a common person, a common believer, but a real burden to see a full restoration. And I believe God's call us to have the heart of Nehemiah. And I was wondering, studying this, why will God let this happen? And he will allow the whole book, the entire book of Nehemiah being put in the Bible for us to show us that you don't have to be a minister. You don't have to be some special someone. But you have to have a burden, and that burden is real. And God is there to seek and to look for those who have those kind of burdens. In the book of uh, Jeremiah that we read, now kind of going to my subject, we go back to the story of Nehemiah after, maybe by the end. In the book of Jeremiah that we read, and I was just wondering myself, what would have caused Jeremiah to, to speak with such an uh, exclamation? It looked like he exercised himself. I don't know what he was going through. Maybe a situation or some, some, something that was going on. But he was so real, Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made everything, the heaven and the earth, by thy great power, and stretch out arm. And there is nothing too hard for thee. And I'm going to just try to help you understand this thought the way I I was understanding it, preparing it. Our God created the world, the universe, as we see. I have some slides. Maybe you can give me the first slide. Uh, Yes, the one that I have. Yeah, the first slide, number one. It's already gone. I was looking there, I thought they... So, yeah, the first slide, this is, you know, nothing special. That's, that's our, plan, our planet, that's the earth. 
And somewhere there, you can see uh, beautiful British Columbia somewhere there. <laughs> and I just selected it. I was looking for the one that was showing Canada, so that we can all feel at home. So this is our planet Earth. God created planet Earth. And it's very simple as that. And I was just reading. They say that there is still 5% of the Earth's land surface unexplored, untouched by human civilization. With all the, uh, the uh, development that we might have, all the, uh, the fast trains and the fast airplane and all the, uh, everything that we might have done on Earth, they're still 5% untouched by human civilization. And more recently, the, uh, the satellite data surface uh, 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 the, the shows that 40% of the Earth are not modified by civilization. 40% with all of our cities, with all of our, uh, uh, regardless, uh, 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 all everything that we can call as development as such by, uh, 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 by our civilization, we still do not, are not able to touch, we are still yet do not touch 40% of the surface of, the pla- of our planet Earth. And just one uh, last year alone, there was 10 new plants that's been discovered. In 2022, the, uh, the, the, the science discovered 10 new plants. There is 15 new animal species discovered on land. And if you combine all the discovering that's been done last year alone, it has been counting 146 new species reported by the California Academy of Science Research and the international collaborators. So, with all that we can see, all of our knowledge, we still have yet discovered fully our planet, Earth. There is still much to be done. There is still much to be discovered. Every year, they're finding out new species. Every year, they're finding out something new, something that, uh, uh, that, that will blow our mind. You know, you go to the deepest down on the sea, you, it's, it's blowing your mind. You go even in the forest, they, it's blow your mind. That's how much, with all the knowledge that we have, we have not yet, we still have a lot to find out about this earth. Now if you can go to slide number two. Uh, if you can see, that's the earth that we still have to, yet to find out about. And that's the sun that we see. So if man can just comprehend this, you think like you are smart, you think like you are somewhere, you still yet not ever found out enough of the earth. But if you want to uh, 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 have a race with God, look about the sun. Look how big the sun is. You talk about being a scientist, I would feel very stupid if I'm a scientist. You have no time to even comprehend where are you going to start? When on the earth you are not done yet. Every year you have to still find. 
And go to number uh, this, uh, uh, the next slide. And I'll write it down there if you can see. Tiny little sun. That's a sun. And this is the biggest star ever discovered. I'm pretty sure you probably saw these pictures, but I just wanted to relate with this scripture. So that's the biggest, the biggest star that's been discovered uh, so far. And a tiny little star, a sun, it's somewhere there, not to be found. Now you picture the earth, and then you, you picture the sun. So if a man has to race with God, God will just point him down. Look how far, where, where are you going to start? And I, was, I, I, I forgot to tell you, it will take you about one week alone to walk from one corner of Canada to another, I mean, from one corner of uh, uh, British Columbia to another corner of British Columbia without, without stop. British Columbia is so vast. The earth is so vast. The, pla- the, 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 the atmosphere, the, the, the planet, all these things that we see is so vast. You cannot comprehend it. It blows your mind. It blows our mind. Who can understand these things? But this showing how great our God is. Amen. And I, I remember of, of, of this scripture that we read of Jeremiah. When you look into that, for the little that he knew about God, the little that he knew about the earth, the little that he knew about what he could see from the star, from the sun, from the, star, uh, the sky, what he could see uh, 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 on the earth. He looked around and said, Ah, Lord God, you have created all this. And there is nothing too hard to you. Amen. And I believe us today, with all the understanding that we might have, we can even say, greater than Jeremiah, Oh, Lord God, you have created all these things. And there is nothing too hard to you. My problem cannot fit there. God is so great that I cannot imagine. His love is so great. His love is so great that we cannot even comprehend. He covers all the tongue. No tongue can express it. There is no way that you can write about the love of God. There is no way that you can explain the love of God. There is no way that you can explain His greatness. He's great and He loves you and me. And I was just so touched by, uh, by, by, by considering this. And Jeremiah said, Lord, you are so great. And I was going to show you, maybe you can just show it uh, the uh, following star. This is the greatness of uh, the, the bigger picture of God's creation. Now the smallest picture of God's creation. You can see, they say, that's a dew drop. So you go down to the dew drop you will see uh, uh, the, the molecule. You go down there, you will see the atoms. You go down there, they call it uh, uh, quartz. And then you go down there, you go to prion. And they say they keep going on, trying to find out what's down there. So you go to the very smallest particle, you see God. Amen. It's innumerable. You cannot count them. You cannot comprehend them. A man cannot grasp the greatness of our God. It's so great that the only way we can do, the only thing that left for us to do, to say, oh God, we love you. We, 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 we worship you for that. Because of all that you have created, it shows how powerful you are. And this God, 
that created heaven and earth and the thing that you see, the thing that we can see and the thing that we cannot see, he had a desire upon his heart. And this is not new for us who believe the message. Before the beginning, in the eternal thought of God, he wanted to express himself. In him there was a longing, a great longing to show his ability, to show his power, to show his attribute. And God, idea are infinite. God's op- uh, 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 de- desire, options are infinite. God has a desire to express his attribute. Before the creation, before anything, he was longing to express himself. And all this moment, as he was uh, uh, thinking of expressing himself, he could have chosen any other option to express himself. He could have chosen any other avenue to express himself. But what I'm saying is that the only option that God chose and found out that this is the best way to express myself was to be father. Fatherhood was the way for God to express his ability. It was a way for God to start his creation. A way for God to start what he had in his mind. A way for God to show how great he is. And he had no other option. He chose no other option, but he chose only one option, to be a father. Because by being a father, he can show his attribute. He will show that he is a healer. He will show that he is a savior. He will show that he has all those aptitudes, all those ability will be displayed or magnified by him being a father. The ancient kingdoms, the ancient civilization or the ancient empires, they serve a lot of gods. You know, they will have a god for uh, 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 one problem or another problem. If you are sick or you have so, such a problem, you go to this temple. If you, are, uh, uh, you, you, you want to rain, there is a god for the rain. There is a god for so and so. And, 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 and then they, they, they will go to worship. But, but God, you said, he could have had an option. You know, they, have, they are Trinitarians. They, they, they think like you know, there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the, uh, the Holy Ghost. God could have had any other option. But he said, my options are one and alone. And the only option that I have to express myself is to be a father. The only option that I have that people can come to me, that I can also express my ability, was to be a father. Fatherhood was always in the mind of God. But when I'm saying this message, adoption, he said that we picture God in his Ella Elohim, and showed that it was self-existence. But inside of him was fatherhood. Inside of him was different merits, such as savior, such as healer. And he couldn't have another way else to express all those attributes all those greatness that even the few that we have mentioned here, the, the picture that we have, we, we've seen, he did not have no other way than to be a father. That's why they asked Jesus Christ, 
show us how to pray. And he said, you shall pray this way. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. That will be done on earth as it is on, in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. That a man can come and they can pray to God as the Father. He chose fatherhood as the only way to express himself. And in the fatherhood, he has to have children. How can he have been a father without the children? And so you see, the whole concept of God, the first eternal concept of God was family. God knew that through family, I will express myself. He did not have another better way to express himself than through family. Then that relationship of family, then by by that, that concept, they will see him as the father. They will see him as the savior. They will see him as uh, uh, all the attributes of God will be displayed by one concept, the concept of family. And that was God's channel, choosing channel that he had to express his glory. But what I'm saying this message, he has to pass that way. He said, you know how you like to minister and to do good things to your children. How much that very strain of fatherhood of parents to your children comes from God. Because he is the father of us all. And the prophet said that it, it's, a, it's a great desire for a young man to be a father. It's a joy to be a father. You know, when, when me speaking to you, I experienced that. I remember the first time, you know, I, 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 I experienced being a father. It was a joy. You no, know, you just picture yourself. Man, I cannot get to do things the way I want. I can plan, you know, I, I can have an idea for my children. I can have an idea for my life. You know, I almost went to the mirror and looked if I, I did change or something. I was so excited about it. There was, the, uh, the, 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 there was like, like, like an anointing that comes with it. You, 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 you feel like you accomplished something on earth. And that sounds funny and kind of cute too. But I believe that was the, the, the expression that God had in his heart. He was living there as Ella Elohim. He was not satisfied with it. But he said, oh, one day I will have a family. One day I will have a child. One day I will have a daughter. And I, oh, how I can plan ahead. How I can think about that son. How I can plan all the good things. How we do this thing for my children. How we do this for my children. How we do this for my daughter. And God, as soon as that, that, can, uh, that attribute can be expressed, he was very happy Amen. to be called a father. Because you knew through that fatherhood, now you can be really a God. Now you can really manifest himself. He will come down in the midst of the garden and he sees his son and he sees his daughter. He will come down and he feels very accomplished. I have done something. Now I'm feeling very fulfilled. Because what he had a desire to express himself and he chose fatherhood. 
family become an avenue for God to manifest his power. And the prophet of God did not stop there. And he said, El, El, I'm sorry, I'm just laying some foundation. We're going to get to a thought here. The prophet of God said in adoption, chapter 1, he said, El, El, Elohim, now he is Jehovah. Jehovah meaning the one existing with his family. All the eternal mind of God, all everything that he can imagine was to be with family. He so loved family. He will never get bored with the member of his family. With the needs of the members of his family, he will never get tired. He loved his family to talk. He loved to talk to his family. He wanted to commune with his family. And God, in his mind, he said, I'm going to uh, uh, leave that position of El, El Elohim and live with my family. And what, what I'm saying, he became Jehovah. The word Jehovah means the one who exists with his family. All this, all this thing that he could have imagined in eternal realm, he was longing for that day. When he will become Jehovah. When he will come down to Abraham, Abraham will look and he will say, You are Jehovah Jireh. When you will come down to the children of Israel, they will look and you will call him Jehovah Nisi. They will call him Jehovah Shammah. They will call him, When you are sick, he is your Jehovah Rapha. He is the one that protects you. He is the one that's your buckler. All these things is always a relationship, a family relationship. God couldn't express it without being a family. He was the first person to conceive the idea of family. But what I'm saying, we know this quote. In Christ is the mystery of God's reveal. He said, but what he wants to do, he loved fatherhood. For he was a father. And the only way he could express it was to become a son. The only way that God could express being a father was to become the son, the son of man. That's why Isaiah prophesied before the coming of Jesus. And he said that a virgin shall conceive. They shall call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. The God that created heaven and earth, we will be able to come and sit down with his family. He will be able to come and express himself with his family. He will be able to come and fellowship with his family. And God became flesh in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the greatest, one of the greatest revelations that God gave to our prophet was to tell us that the Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Testament. Everything that God had in his mind from the beginning, even before the creation, he became Jehovah. And then he said, I'm going to be Emmanuel. I will live with my people. In another way, I will be the same existing God, that same God, but now people can see me. People can touch me. People can witness me. And Jesus was the fulfillment of God's attribute here on earth. That's why the Bible says they have been given unto him all power that in the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow. In the name of Jesus Christ, nothing can stand. In the name of Jesus Christ, nothing is impossible. 
if you can believe and apply the name of Jesus Christ. What happened is Christ is God with his family. God living with his family. And with the same idea, the same thought, he was expressing his power through his family. And we know, I mean, we know this scripture. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he has done in the past, he did not just stop there in the past. But he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has in his mind to express myself, I choose a concept. I choose family. And when Jesus came on earth, he also expressed the same way. You will see miracle happen through family. You will see uh, it's hard to be uh, came to pass through family. In the book of John, chapter eleven, maybe you can read with me. Uh, this is one story that we are familiar with. Uh, verse 14, we know this story. Now here is God, the same God, here on earth, and in the life of his children. There was a case here, just as in the family. And he will enjoy spending time with family. And as Jesus was, uh, uh, was there, he heard of a news. They came and sent him a report that Lazarus was sick. And as you know the story, he kept going far and far. But now came a time where he decided to go visit his family. Visit his people. The Bible says in verse 14, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for you, your sakes, that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto the, uh, his uh, fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Then Jesus came. He found that, he, uh, that he, he had lain in the grave for days already. Lazarus was sick. Lazarus was, uh, was not go, uh, go, uh, doing well. Now Martha and Mary said, let's send Jesus. Because they had a revelation that everything that Jesus touched is blessed. And in Jesus, they can be able to see the, the water being restored. It was a need in the family. It was something that was real. We can read it as a story, but that pain was real. You have your brother being sick. You have your brother going through a condition. 
They call on Jesus. But it happened to be that it took long. And the case got worse. Worse to the point where in the real eye, it was impossible. And Jesus came, and Lazarus, uh, the first thing that Martha did, in verse 21, the Bible said that, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou with us of God, God will give it thee. Amen. And Jesus said unto her, The brother shall rise again. Amen. The situation was worse. The case was in a normal eyes, in your normal way. You cannot, you, the, the, there is no way that you can do it, nothing that you can do about it. Everything seems to be like it's, it's already passed. Someone is dead for four days. Corruption already started. Things have already gone bad. And you can give up easy. But there was something inside of Martha. Jesus is here. And because he's here, there is still hope. I'm not going to ask for anything. But because he's here, there is still hope. And God looked into the opportunity that was given to him with a family burden. And he said, this is my chance. Just as he had the same thought at the beginning of creation. Just as he had the, the same thought before the creation. Why in the mind of God? Just as he had the same thought, he said, this is my time. To manifest my attribute. This was my time to manifest the supernatural. And then the Bible said, Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, Though he were dead, ye are yet shall he live again. And I went to search on this word. No record of this word ever been spoken before. I am the resurrection and the life. And that record or that word, that statement was in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. God had the mind from the beginning. Before the foundation of the world, God has that thought. God has that mind. God has that statement. But all throughout the ages, you pass away all the Old Testament. You pass all the ages. God was looking for a channel to express the supernatural. And the only way that he chose, he found that that was the right channel to express the supernatural was into that family need. Now he stood there. To prove to Martha and Mary, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And one, some scholars say that was one of the greatest statements that Jesus could say. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Well, I, I don't care how bad the situation might be, but what you have to do, allow Jesus to come on your family. Allow Jesus to come in your house. Allow Jesus to come in your boat. You just never know, but your case can be just an avenue for God to express the thought that he had before the foundation of the world. There is a specific miracle to each and every one of us. There is a specific miracle that God has preserved before the foundation of the world 
to each cases that we might have. And the only way that it can express that the attribute, that, that it can express that thought, that it can express that supernatural, it will go through the family. Your family is not just by accident. But a family, a Christian family, a family of those who believe God, a family of those who receive the message of the hour, they are channels for God's supernatural. And all the ages, it's always been the case. God will always choose a family. God will always come through a family. And as you know the story, Martha stood there. Just told them, where did you put, where did you put him? And they went and showed him where he was standing. The Bible said, Jesus cried. In another way, he was so comp- uh, uh, compassionate about what was going on with the family. It's not like you come up and you tell Brother Daniel your story. You tell Brother Daniel your case. You know, I can just kind of give you some comfort. I can give you some scripture. I can tell I'm going to pray for you. But in here, Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, he cried. In in, in another way, in your situation, in the time present now, he will cry. A mother will come. He will address Jesus the situation. Oh, God, I don't know what's going on, but I cry in my mind. My, my son has been lost. My daughter has been lost. The situation is so chaotic that I don't see any way out. All the mind, all my, my, my mind can imagine, it's impossible. All that my thought can imagine, it's impossible. The case of Martha, four days, it was impossible. There is no sense that can come up. There is no prophet that ever done any kind of miracle before. There will never be any resurrection of someone being resurrected after four days before. It was a dark case, an impossible case. But God chose that avenue, and he said, I will choose that avenue, that particular avenue, so that the word that was in my mind before the foundation of the word, that I am the resurrection and the life, we come to pass. And after that, he never said that again. So Martha and Mary family was the only avenue, the only access for the attribute of God to come to pass. I don't care how low the devil might try to put you down. I don't care how low you might think your situation, your family might be. But I'm here to tell you there is a special attribute from the case that you have. There is a special attribute from the mind of God for your case. All that you have to do, call on the Father in your board. Call on the Father in your, in your house. Call on the Father in your situation. Never give up. Never get tired to hold on to that burden. Never get tired to hold on to that faith. It might seem to be impossible. The reason it looks impossible because God has a special kind of treatment for that particular case. God has a special kind of way that he will brought that situation out. At the end, you will come up like, like Jeremiah, and you will say, Ah, oh, Lord God Almighty, behold, you have created heaven and earth. I can see you in your creation. I can see you in your power, and there is nothing too hard to you. My case seems to be impossible, but there is nothing impossible to you. My situation seems to be so hard, but there is nothing too hard to you. Why? Because God has a care for his family. Jesus promised I will never leave you, nor forsake you, but I will be with you even for now, all the way to the end 
of the world. I will never leave you orphaned. I will never leave you fatherless. The father will always be on our side. The father will always walk on our side. Regardless of how low we might find ourselves. Regardless of how high we might find ourselves. Regardless of how, how hard the battle might be. But the father promised he will always be there for us. He will be out Jehovah Jarrah. He will be out Jehovah Rapha. He will be out Jehovah Nisi. And through him, we'll be able to see all the power of God. Because he chose family to express himself. And since God chose family as a way to express his attribute, Satan does not like family. Just as simple as that. And you will find that we find with you, we still have some time. He never liked the thought of family. Because God did not choose any other concept to fulfill his greatness, to fulfill how great, how powerful he is, he chose family. And Satan also does not want that. To fight, the devil, to fight God, to fight the plan of God, he will have nothing else to fight than to fight family. He will have no other target than to target family. All throughout the Bible, you will see that being the case. God will raise up a family, the devil will come and try to fight the family. I, I spoke with you last time uh, uh, when I was kind of touching to that subject. You know, you read in a book or in the Bible, sometimes in the Chronicles or uh, Deuteronomy or other, other scripture, uh, you will see that they will, they will talk about uh, 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 the son of so-and-so. And, and, and it's, it's, it's like, you know, it goes on and on. And this one beget this one. And then this one gave this one. And, and, and sometimes, you know, like the Chronicle, you live like two, three pages. You know, if you want to do a, a Bible study, it becomes it become very hard to read. Because you, 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 you don't get the point. You know, one chapter we go by, it's just names of the people that you cannot even pronounce. And then you go to a second chapter. And then you go to a third chapter. But... One time I was just thinking, why that be the case? Because God wanted to show to us that all this was not some bunch of angels out there, but they were human beings. The manifestation of the supernatural power of God was being shown through the family. Was being shown to the life of the people. That's why the whole plan of God, the whole Bible that we see, I will challenge anyone. You will find out that if you go study your Bible, it's just a story of different families. This family and so and so. You talk about the life of Isaac. Isaac, like a girl, like a, uh, was happy to get married. That's just what he was thinking. Like, you know, I'm going to get a girl. I'm going to, you know, get married. And this and that was going to, you know. That's just what Abraham, uh, uh, Isaac was thinking as a normal person. But through the life of Isaac comes the plan of redemption. Joseph living his life. Headed by his brother, just like a normal family. You see, boys like to fight. You know, something that can be common. They went too far. They sold their brother. Just a normal story. But then Joseph did not know this whole scene was God writing the Bible. God writing his plan. That through the life of Joseph, the whole plan of redemption can be fulfilled. It was a man living his life. 
but God was writing his word. It will be you living your life by the same God that wrote the Bible in the Old Testament, that wrote the Bible in the New Testament. is not done writing his Bible. That's why the Bible says you are a living epistle for us to read. If there is another generation to see, they will live your life. They will read about your life. They will read about the power of God through your family. In the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verse 17, where time was going slow and all of a sudden it started going fast. I don't know what happened. Genesis, chapter 18, verse 17. I'm just going to read it fast. The Bible said, and the Lord said, Shall I add from Abram thou things which I do? Seeing that Abram shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the, the, the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice. And judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. The greatest promise that we have in the Bible, Luke 17:30, speak about this event. That whatever happened in the time of Lot will also happen in the coming of the Son of Man. But what, what was the scenario there? Here God wanted to reveal his plan to his son Abraham. But the condition that God put himself, the condition that, that drove God to reveal himself to Abraham was because Abraham will teach to his children. God can see that if I reveal this plan to Abraham, I will continue seeing the plan, the generation that's coming to pass, continuing with the word of God, continuing with my plan. The same way also in the revealing of the Son of Man, God is looking for people who will be family-minded. Because why would he reveal his plan? So that people can continue with the plan of God. And God will always fight for the family. He will always stand for the family. And the devil on this side will always fight against God's plan. He will always try to fight God's family. Because you know that if you can get a hold of a family, you will break the whole system. You will try to break the whole plan. But no, regardless of what the devil can do, we know that whosoever lives in us, the one that lives in us is greater than the power that lives out, out, out there. Regardless of what Satan can do, there is nothing that he can do to destroy God's family. Amen. You know, in the time of Job, just pray for me. I'm trying to see how I can close and not mind my time. In Job chapter 1, I don't, I'm not just going to paraphrase it. Here comes Job. The Bible said that Job was a man that was doing righteous. He would pray day and night for his children. And he would say, maybe per adventure, they did something wrong. And he would pray, he would pray. And the Bible said one day, Satan went and went to the Lord. I don't know if he went to complain or what. God asked Satan, and he said, what, what were you doing on earth? 
And the Bible said that Satan said, I was going through and fro and up and down. If you read uh, 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 the, the old chapter, and Satan came and expressed himself to God. And he said, God asked him, he said, did you see my son Job? And Satan said, well, it's because you put an edge around his house. You put an edge around, an edge around his, his everything that he possessed. That's why he's worshiping you. That's why he's serving you. In another way, Satan was so upset by the fact that there was a family that was serving God. He can go through and through. He can try to go up and down. Every time he will come in front of a Job's house, he will bump into Job's house. He cannot go far because there is an edge. And the same devil will always come fighting the family that have an edge around this house. The house that have an edge around the children. He will come trying to use everything that he can have. All the assault of the enemy to try to break the family. From Genesis, he trying to break the family of God. He broke the family that God had set with Adam. And the same devil will never stop to try to break the family of God. But regardless of what he, have, he might try to do, but the promise is unto you and I to apply the word of God, to invite God, to invite the Father, and say, Lord, we know the enemy is there to fight the family, but we stand on the side of your word. We stand on the side of your word. And God promised he will fight for our family. God promised he will stand on our side. In the book of uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, I just pray for me here. First Timothy chapter 5. Uh, we kind of know the scripture. I'm going to try to turn a corner here. So we read verse, uh, verse 8. The Bible says, but if any man provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he have denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And uh, just kind of trying to go ahead of myself, uh, looking at the time. The Bible never said here, Every time when we read the scripture, we think like he's talking about a man who will provide financial, you know, uh, uh, mean to his family. Someone who will be able to feed his family. But when I read the scripture here, the Bible say, never said, if a man, whoever, man, provide for his own family. It's never been mentioned whether it's a man or whether it's a woman, whether it's a child or whoever that was, the Bible never mentioned it. And I believe it's open to anyone. 
And he never been specific of what kind of provision to be given. So it does not, doesn't say financial. It does not talk about food. But anyone who will not provide for his family is, doing, uh, is uh, denying the faith and is worse than an infidel. And I was just uh, kind of thinking of that scripture. It's open to you and I. Whether you are a husband, whether you are a, a wife, whether you are children, whoever does not provide for his family, he denies the faith and is worse than an infidel. Does not just provide for money, but whoever does not provide for comfort, whoever does not provide for love, whoever does not provide for, you know, anything that he can provide for the family is denying the faith and is worse than an infidel. And we're living in an age where everything is promised to us that things will go sideways. You know, I'm not talking about just providing for money, but I'm, pro- I'm talking about providing for prayers, providing for concern, providing for burden. Whoever does not have a burden, whoever does not have a child that don't, that don't have a burden for the family, a, a, a wife that doesn't have a burden for the family, or a father that does not have a, a burden for the family, he is worse than an infidel. You can spend all the time you want outside. You can spend all your energy outside or doing things or doing that. But if you don't have quality time for the family, you become worse than an infidel. If you are as a child, you, are, you, are, you, you, you look so careless about the need of your family, you become worse than an infidel. But God gave to you and I a responsibility. A responsibility to carry the burden for our family. Amen. Remember the story of, uh, of Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 4. Moses was running. God gave him a commission. And he told Moses, go save my people. He had all the experience. Moses could have stand up and say, you know, God showed me. I saw the vision. I'm going to go to Egypt. This is the sign. This is another sign. This is what was going on. But the Bible says God was seeking to kill Moses that night. All throughout the night, God was seeking to kill Moses. All the plan that Moses had, I don't care how much of, of the pit of fire that Moses saw. I don't care how much of the power that Moses saw, but he lost the burden for his two children. He was a prophet that was true. He was a man of God that was true. He was all the kind of, uh, 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 he had all the kind of ability. He had all the kind of right, all the things that could have been checked. But Moses lost the burden for his family. He lost the burden for his children. And the Bible says God was ready to kill Moses. Moses, where are you going? I'm going to go save, uh, 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 I'm going to go perform the miracle. I'm going to go do this and that. But what happened to your own children? They don't have the Holy Ghost. He did not have the burden. He did not have the burden. He was running out and he was thinking, or running around thinking that if I can do this, then I will fulfill the word of God. No, the first step of the will of God was for Moses to be concerned and be burdened for his own children. Be burdened for his own children having the Holy Ghost. Then going to serve God. They're going to fulfill the plan of God. And now watch, God was ready to kill him. But what did save Moses? 
was a mother on his side. That Zipporah came and he, uh, and, and he cut the, uh, the first king and he saved the life of Moses and he saved the whole family. He has not to be, uh, nothing to do uh, with just uh, a man of God or, or something that's, or, you know, uh, 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 a minister or such, but someone with a burden. The mother got a burden. That Sephora had a burden for his family. And he interceded and God saved the life of Moses because of that. God seeking for people that will have burden for the family. The world that we're living, things are getting so crazy. And I was just thinking about myself. Things are getting so crazy, you don't know what's going to come next. You don't know what, what, they're gonna come, what news is going to come next. In July, I was so hurt in my heart. I was just, you know, uh, on my news feed, there was this thing that probably you, you, you came across it. Uh, a San Francisco gay choir that stood up and they made a song and they say, we will convert your children. It will happen bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. And this is the age that we live in. Where the pit of hell is being opened. Satan is not in a shame to challenge you and I. And tell you regardless of bringing them to church back and forth, regardless of whatever you're doing, I'm going to challenge you that I'm going to take your children. And I will get them bit by bit. And you will have nothing to do about it. Oh, that really hurt my heart. And that gave me a burden. I said, Lord Jesus, have mercy for all of us. Have mercy. I'm not speaking about it by fear, but I'm speaking about it with a burden in my heart. Lord, have mercy. The years that's going to come, I'm sorry that I might not be able to cover all my points, but the year that's going to come, it's going to be hard to live. It's going to be hard for your children. It's going to be hard for a young one. It's going to be almost impossible to live a Christian life. If you have some part of God in you, you will have a concern for the needs of the family. They came to Jesus. Jesus was going there on the cross. And a woman came and crying. They cried unto Jesus. Oh, you're dying and all these things are going on. Jesus looked at the woman and he said, Woman, daughters of Israel, don't cry for me, but cry for your children. Cry for the time that's coming. It's going to be worse than you ever think. It's going to be harder than you ever think. But the only thing that can save the bride, the only thing that will save the church, with people with burden. A burden to pray. A burden to stand for this fight. It's not a fight that you can win this fight with much of advices. It's not a fight that you can win this fight with much of, a, of, of meetings. But it's a fight that will be won with a lot of prayer and deep yearning in your heart for full restoration. And this uh, this man, Nehemiah, he looked at what was going on and he said the church was being built. 
He said everything that was going on, and it seemed like people were living just casually, as if everything was fine. As if life was going on. Everything was fine. But Nehemiah has the burden in his heart. He had a desire in his heart. God, I want to see a full restoration of your word. I want to see a full restoration of what you have promised. And I believe tonight, God can put upon our hearts that desire to see a full restoration. If God wants to restore a church, he will restore the family. But what I'm saying, we're living in a perilous time. Family's life is uncertain. Family life becomes in a crisis. Family life becomes impossible to live. It's a time where all the, 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 the curse that came from hell is targeting the family. I just want you to uh, read it with me in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm pretty sure you never probably notice it the same way as I noticed. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm just going to read it uh, quick. The Bible said, This know also that in the last day, perilous time shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accuser, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away from. It will be powerless days. A powerless day is a dying day. It's a desperate day. But now read, watch with me chapter, uh, verse 6. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. And I was just studying that word. They creep into houses. All the spirit that you have mentioned there, all the hardest day that's coming up, they will be being manifested, they will be targeting houses. They will be targeting family, where you will see the fulfillment of the scripture coming to pass. But they ask Jesus Christ, what will be the son of the end? And he will say, this shall be the son of the end. Father will be divided with the, the, the son. Son divided with the father. Mother divided with the children. The time where the love, the desire to be in a family is all gone lost. What happened? The devil is targeting the family. And why is he targeting the family? Because you know if he can get a hold of the family, he will get a hold of the church. If he want to break the church apart, he will have to break the family. But Nehemiah had a desire upon his heart. And he said, Lord Jesus, Lord God, there has to be a full restoration. What has been destroyed has to come back together. What has been uh, uh, defeated almost has to come back together. Nehemiah was groaning for the rebuilding of the gates of the city. In the ancient time, the gate was the entrance. The gate was the entrance. When something will come out, something will leave. If there is no gate, there is an opening. Anything can have access. The temple is there, but the temple is not fully protected. Because of what? The gate is open. But Nehemiah knew he had the revelation. This was not a minister. 
This was not a prophet, but a man with a vision of God. It is said those gates have to be built. And I'm here to tell you the same way. God can put upon our heart that burden also. The family has to be restored. The fullness of the restoration, I believe, in this last age has to be a restoration of the family. Where God Almighty will restore the broken family. Will amend the broken family. Those who were lost, what you think be impossible, but we will come with a burden upon our heart and we say, Our oh Lord God Almighty, you have created heaven and earth. I can see this being impossible, but I know from my heart there is nothing too hard to God. Amen. There is nothing too hard to God. There is nothing impossible. And I pray for my church, I pray for my people that God will fully restore the people of God. He will restore the family. When the joy of the family is gone, if you are really a family person, all your joy is also gone. The father will not be happy to think his son being lost. His daughter be lost. What kind of mother can it be? She will not be content. She will not be happy. Because of what? It's connected with you. You have the same nature of God. And if God has that same nature, God has to come down and intervene for our case. God needs people that will have that burden. God searching for those people that will cry out, Lord, restore the family. Lord, restore the family. Maybe your family might be all right. Maybe your family might be Everything might seem to be okay. But God's calling us from different nations, from different countries, from different backgrounds to make all of us to be one family, one body. If one family is hurt, my family is also hurt. If one family has a concern, my family is also a concern. That you can go out with the burden, God restore that family. God restore that family. And the same God that answered the prayer of the Old Testament, the same God that answered the prayer of the New Testament, is the same God that can touch the need of the family. The same God that will restore the family. I pray that God will give us that burden. You know, in the Bible, in the Old Testament law, there was the, the children of Israel. Uh, God said in the book of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15, I believe, Moses said to the children of Israel, the poor, you will always have them. And Jesus repeat that. The poor, people in need, you will always have them. And God allowed us, the Lord that to happen for people to pray. For people to not just be casual, but to come and groan before God for the needs of the people. And the people of burden, and the people of need, you will always have them. But in the Old Testament, there was a law. The law of, you know, another part of offering for the poor. Another part of offering for those who were in need. You know, see someone have a field, he will glean some field and he will leave a handful of purpose. So that the poor can pass by and can glean and can live also alive. That you will not just gather everything for yourself, but you will have a concern to leave something because the poor, you will always have them. The poor in a church, you will always have them. The poor, the people in need, you will always have them. But God is calling us to have that heart. Lord, I'm offering this prayer, not for myself, but for the family of Adam. 
Lord, restore my brother's family. Restore the family that I see. Restore this need. And the same God that can deliver you, that deliver your children, is more than able to do exactly the same thing with another family. But he's calling people with burden. If you read the whole book of Nehemiah, one man stood up there with a burden in his heart, with a desire that was real, and God heard that prayer. And the whole world was restored. The whole city was restored. The whole plan of God was restored with a man with a burden for God to restore family. And I believe tonight, I believe even all of us, we can identify to Nehemiah. We can identify with Nehemiah and say, Lord Jesus, we're coming with a burden upon our heart. We're coming with a desire upon our heart. We see all the destruction that's going on. You see all the evil that's going on, but we're not going to give up. I'm not never going to get look at the family problem as boring. I'm not going to look at the family problem as something that's just casual. Even though things might look right, even though things might look fine with me, but I want to have that burden for another person's family. I want to have that burden for another person's wife, or another person's child, for another person's uh, case, that God restore this case. I will not be happy until I see that case being restored. I will not be happy until I see God fully restore that case. And God will answer people with burden. He's seeking for us to have that burden. We're living in a time where, you know, the, uh, the, the, the prophet of God said, uh, in, in all throughout the church ages, there was a spirit that came, the spirit of the Nicolaitans. And that spirit will make people think like all the power belong to the group up here. Or everything that concerns the spiritual need belong to the minister, belong to the people. But no, when God calls his church, he's placing you also at the same position. You are called as priests before God. You are called as a burden barrier before God. That it's not just a minister, but you also can carry a burden. Lord Jesus, do something for this family. Lord Jesus, come and intervene. You know, I'm not ashamed to say the name. Lord Jesus, I pray all my life, all my heart. Do something for the family of Brother Darren. Do something for some of the family that we can see here. You know, I might not be part of it, but they are my people. I am connected with them. The same pain that they're feeling, are also feeling the same pain. And I call upon God. There is no full restoration until I see that case coming to solve. And you tell me, I tell you what, there is nothing too hard to God. I don't care, I don't care how bad that case might be. But my mind believes there is nothing too hard to God. There is nothing impossible to God. All the creepy things that we see, how impossible it is for the young people to live life. I pray for the young people. There is nothing impossible to God. All those things that rising up, God is also going to rise up an army. When all the gates of hell are turning loose against our young people, God also is going to turn on all the gates of heaven toward our young people to fight the battle. And I pray that God will give victory. I pray that God will guard, uh, we, we, we guard us all throughout this pressure, all throughout this burden, but God will lead us to have a burden for our family. I know that this was uh, kind of tough. I
I had a lot of things to say. But I pray that God is going to restore. And God is in the business of restoration. But what I'm saying, God, I pray that you will mend up the broken houses. He is in a business of mending up the broken houses. He is in a business of changing the situation around. Don't get tired of your father's case. Don't get tired of your mother's case. Don't get tired of your children's case. You can still pray. You might not be able to, uh, to, uh, to find the way out, to find the solution, but we can still pray. We can still call on God. And God is capable to do the miracle. It is not impossible. God is giving us a family as a gift. And there is a reason for it. To manifest his power. To manifest the supernatural. If Satan trying to teach you otherwise, we are there to stand against the devil. And take the word of God upon our heart. And say, Lord Jesus, we love our family. We're going to stand for our family. We love our people. We're going to stand for them. And God promise is going to give us victory. The full restoration, we come back to place. We come to place. This message was sent for a purpose, for a full restoration. Restoration of the gift, that's fine. Restoration of, of, of the preaching, that's fine. But God has sent Malachi 4 for a purpose, for a full restoration. We will not leave this earth until God fully restore our family. And I pray that God will give us that burden to guide us and change our perspective, see our family as an opportunity for God to manifest his power. God bless you tonight. Amen. Well, we just leave it up to God's hands. We try to express what we're able to. But we trust that something will say will be anchored in your heart. We love you and God bless you. Amen. 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 I'm so thankful God is concerned about our family. That's as we even, I go, my mind goes quite quickly to uh, even the burden of our prayer meetings. Even over these last, even just the last prayer meeting, brothers that were there, the burden for our families. And I think the Lord is just telling us to don't, don't get tired. Don't get tired. Maybe not seeing the, the progress that you think you should see. But God's already ordained restoration. Amen. I think, I think it's Nehemiah where they had the, the spear in their one hand and the, the trowel or the hammer in the other. If I have that right in the, in the story, they were, they, were, they were there defending and they had to work. Amen. Satan was attacking, but the walls had to go up. And so they, it was a two-sided thing. And so Lord, help us to, to pull up that spear a little bit. We still got some work to do. But let's stand against the enemy because the scriptures already stated, as Brother, Brother Daniel said, it's a restored wall. Amen. God isn't, God isn't going to come to the end, as Brother Daniel even just said. God's going to restore his family. Satan tried to break it in the garden. But God's whole plan was to bring back family to full restoration. I can't believe that God would restore his family and not restore his people's families. Amen. 
Amen. I, I just, when he was, Brother Daniel was speaking, I, I'd like to sing, isn't it? Is anything too hard for God? He was speaking about Martha. And I, I just, and he was, Brother Daniel, you were mentioning about four days of corruption and how that is actually, even we know that Scripture says Jesus rose in three days so that it wouldn't, his, script, his body would not become corrupt. And there at four days, it's like it's, it's all done and gone. It, it's, it's corrupted. It looked like the situation, but Daniel said, looked like it was done and over and there was no hope. And even in Martha's mind, it's, it's like, well, his flesh is already being broken down and, and it was an over situation. I thought, Lord, maybe somebody tonight is looking at their situation. They're hearing the message and they're saying, well, you know, my situation looks like it's just done and broken. And it's really just past the point of no return. And I'm sure that's what Lazarus looked like to them, a, a, a situation past the point of no return. And I thought that was such a wonderful thought, but Daniel, to find that there the Lord said, I am the resurrection and the life in a situation that looked past the point of no return. And only in that family moment did God reveal that attribute of himself. That was a precious thought. I, I pray you hold on to that. That in your maybe impossible point of no return moment, God is looking to restore. Amen. This family, your family, your mom, your, your situation, he's there to reveal that attribute through you and I. Amen. And so you say, Lord, I don't know what these situations are, but is anything too hard for him? No, sir. And I would want to say tonight, ah, my Lord. Amen. What a, what a scripture. What an what a exclamation. Ah, I didn't even know how to say that with Brother Daniel tonight. As he said, let's read it together. I thought, well, what's everybody going to say? But maybe at the end of service, we can say that again. Ah, my Lord. How great you are. How wonderful you are to bring a message tonight to encourage us. Let's pick up the spear. Let's pick up the trowel. But Satan ain't going to have our children because he's already decreed, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe on me, though he were dead, though he looked dead to you, yet ye shall live. Hallelujah. So we say, Satan, is anything too hard for my God? I always think there should be a, a retort in that song. No. Nothing's too hard for him. Let's sing that together tonight. Let's sing the chorus. Is anything too hard for God?
can I do in, in my prayer, in my walk, in my life? And You know what, Brother Daniel, I'm, I might, you might not want me to say this, and forgive me, Brother Daniel might put you in a, in a little bit of a spot, but sometimes it's the simple, we would think the simple things. But Brother Daniel, when he's speaking on a burden for his family, Brother Daniel drives, his wife drive about probably about an hour and a half or more to school, I would think, every day. About that, isn't it? I'm like 30 seconds down the road. But because a man has such a burden for his family, for his little one, that he drives a distance beyond everybody here, and even many of us even combined, because he has such a burden to make sure that his little ones are in a hedge. You're not just hearing about Nehemiah, you're seeing a Nehemiah live before you. So I would say, don't just listen to the word tonight and say, well, that was a good message from Brother Daniel. No, Brother Daniel's living what he preached tonight in his everyday walk. And I thought, Lord, what can I do? What can I do to support my family, the family of God, in all of our different struggles? And just brothers and sisters, I would say, Lord, help let me get on that wall and start building up our people, building up our family, restoring the walls. Amen. As we go through, because it is perilous times. And so I just thought, Lord, may that burden just rise up within the family of God. Amen. Not just our families, but the family of God. Satan is out to destroy. I, and and I, I, I pray that just becomes so real to us. As Brother Daniel mentioned, the, Satan is out to break the family and he's and here he did with Job and it would look like Job he broke the family children were gone and such but the last chapter of Job brings full restoration amen that's what that's the promise of God full restoration to Job at the moment it looked like everything was gone and lost but it, let's ask Job the question at the end Job is anything too hard for God he'd say no sir he restored all my children 
He restored all that I lost because nothing is too hard for him. Amen. Let's sing that one more time as we close in prayer and just say, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. You're the restorer. And may I get the burden to do all I can to, to stand against the wicked, vile enemy that, that is against us in this last day and have a burden for restoration. Amen. Let's sing that again. closing prayer tonight I, I would instead of just a closing prayer maybe tonight we just each of us pray for our children for our families Lord that you would strengthen us Lord, let's just not let a service go by as we would have a Wednesday night but maybe let's all of us just pray Lord help me be the Nehemiah in my household let me not just look to the provider of our home, maybe the daddies, but it's the mommies, it's the children, it's the sisters, it's the brothers, each one in this body. Let's just join our hearts together as we would just close this little service. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're not closing a service per se, but maybe just this moment, but we want your, the word that you spoke tonight to just linger in our heart. That, Lord, we're indeed against difficult, perilous times. Brother Daniel even articulating a, a song that Satan has anointed to speak from, Lord, the wretched, perverted age that this is. But, Lord, we'd speak back, oh God. Is, Lord, you've given us, Lord, authority of your word. Lord, you've given us a restoring word as we heard tonight. Lord, to stand against this vile day that we live in. So, God, would we gird up ourselves, Lord, this evening, Lord, as we've heard your word. Lord, husbands and daddies, mummies, Lord, brothers and sisters of like precious faith. Lord, we stand against the enemy. Lord, would you give us a burden, a continued passion, a continued zeal, oh God, to see the restoration of our families, Lord. Lord, you are not a God that your arm is too short. You're not a God that there's something too hard for you. You've proved too often over and over again that there's nothing too hard for you, O oh Lord. So, Lord, would you move on the scene, Lord, in families, in situations. Lord, you know, Lord, even where my heart and my mind is at this time right now. Lord, you are the restorer, O oh God. Restore comfort where there needs to be comfort. Restore peace where there needs to be peace, O oh God. Oh God, annihilate the anxieties, Lord, and the depressions, O oh Lord. Lord, that would hinder people from moving forward in the word of God. Oh God, that's what your word has come for, to restore your people to a perfect Eden, a perfect bride again, oh God. So Lord Jesus, would you restore fellowship, Lord, within our families, restore the bonds of love between sons and daughters and mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, oh God. Lord, we lay this at your feet tonight. Lord, as your burden has been given, Lord, through your minister. But Lord, as he said, we are all Nehemiahs. Lord, we all can do something. So may the love of God be expressed through each and every believer here tonight. May we not become lackadaisical in our Christian walk, lackadaisical in our burden. But Lord, may it be heightened tonight. May we go forward. May our heart be pricked, O oh Lord. That Lord, we're searching. Lord, how can you use me today? How can I be an 
Nehemiah today. Oh, how can I encourage our families today? Lord, may you send down. May you prick hearts to reach out, Lord. Maybe to say something to somebody they've never done before. Anoint us, oh God, with a spirit of Nehemiah. Lord, that we would restore the walls of our family, we pray. Lord, I send, Lord, our, your people. Lord, with your Holy Spirit, Lord, may we go forward, Lord, this day, tomorrow, this next week. And Lord, may your, your word, may there be signs following to confirm your word, we pray. I commit, Lord, the, the people to you, Lord. May we see, Lord, you, may we see, Lord, you manifest yourself amongst us, oh God, in the supernatural unfold. do believe, Lord. Lord, we don't desire just religion. Lord, we desire to see you move as a living God you are amongst our families and our church and the body of Christ. Lord, that's our heart's cry and passion is to see you move, Lord. Our children to see you move. To say, that's my God and he's alive today. Oh, God. May it not just become formality and formalism, Lord, which I know it's not. We're just burdened and passioned and inspired by your word for, Lord, it's what gives us life, Lord. So we commit this evening, Lord Jesus, and may, Lord, you use us for your glory. Commit, Lord, thank you for brother Daniel, Lord, is, Lord, the word you laid on his heart. Lord, for I know it's in perfect season for, Lord, you're an on-time God all the time. So, Lord, would you strengthen your servant? Lord, would you restore, his, Lord, just thinking of his sacrifices he makes. But Lord, may you pour in, oh God, so much more, so much more for your debtor to no man. So we commit this night of the service to you and we, in your worthy name, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. 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 God's on the move. That's what I, I believe that with all my heart. God is on the move. And so let's just be pricked. Say, Lord, what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do tonight? Well, I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to do the impossible. He's going to do the impossible. Amen. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus Christ. I would love to sing, but for the sake of time, I was thinking of how, how great our God is. But how the, I, the words are slipping in my mind. The, the quill. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. How marvelous. Amen. I mean, let's go. Greet one another, shake each one's hands, say, God bless you. Be a Nehemiah. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus Christ's name.
Thank you.